I want to tell you a secret. I want to tell you a secret tonight that will greatly influence your life. In fact, this could actually be a secret that could be a profound impact on your life, no matter where you are in your life, whether you're at the beginning of it, in the middle, or shall we say towards getting into the you know, fourth quarter, so to speak. <laughs> That's a nice way to say it, right? There could be overtime. Amen. Amen. There could be overtime. But I believe that this secret is going to be a huge impact on the rest of your life. Here is the secret. Living your life with contentment will keep you focused on Jesus. Living your life with contentment will keep you focused on Jesus. But just like that is true, there's a kind of an opposite statement that can also be true, and it is this. Living your life with discontentment can become a distraction to following Christ and living for God in your life. We live in a world, we live in a society that for years and years and years has gone by the motto of grab all the gusto you can grab. Remember that? That was kind of like, I don't know what, that was a commercial or something, was it beer? Probably was. Um, we remember all the great beer commercials, <laughs> even though I've never drank beer, but I remember the great beer commercials. And that was probably one of them. Grab all the gusto. And it was kind of the, the, the slogan, the mantra of our society of get all that you have coming to you, right? This is kind of the idea. And we're bombarded with this type of message uh, of just, hey, you need this, you need this, you need this. Look over here, you need this. And, and all those messages bombarding us on a daily basis can just kind of get... Um, desires going in a certain way and a feeling in that sense that we don't have all that we need and it can bring about a real discontentedness in that sense. We're reminded and the, the, certainly the media and the, the Madison Avenue, if you will, wants to remind us of everything that we don't have but what we could have and that we, that, that we need so desperately we need these things. And we're always comparing. There's the, 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 this thing that sets in of comparing our lives to those around us and to the, to the, the, the door next, you know, the, the house next door. There's kind of that, that metaphor, really, of, you know, the Joneses. Remember the, the Joneses keeping up with the Joneses, I guess, was the way that they put it. And, um, and so there's, there's all these things. And, uh, and, and, and so we live in a world that always seeks, uh, tells us that we need the better and the new improved. And, you know, all these companies, right? You know, I mean, Apple, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan, you know, have been for a while. But I mean, there's, there's even articles being written now. Hey, Apple, do we really need a new iPhone every year? Yeah. Uh, you know, these are the types of things. For all these reasons and many more, we have this battle, this struggle in our lives with being discontented. 
And the fact of the matter is that many people live their lives in complete discontent. And it may not even be looking materially. It may be in other ways as we look on around us and we feel like we don't have what we should have. And so this is a huge problem. It causes dysfunction in the way people live their lives, in the way people think about life, and the way they think about their own life. It causes, it can cause, this discontentedness can cause people to get into serious debt. Debt is a major problem. In fact, I just, I don't, I can't remember the exact statistic, but the statistics are all coming out on where we are in terms of the debt load of consumer debt, and it's, oh my goodness, it's many, many trillions of dollars. And, and then you tack on top of that all the student loan debt and the, this type of debt and that type of debt, and there's a lot of debt. And it's easy to get into debt. I mean, my goodness, it's easy. You go to college, I remember when I went to college, and I don't know who gave them permission, <laughs> Visa, to put up, Things in the mailroom where get your credit card. You know, you can be, you know, an adult. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make you an adult. We'll put you right into $1,500 worth of debt where you can snap two fingers together. So it's, it's an unbelievable situation. Unbelievable amount of debt. Credit cards and all this. Benjamin Franklin once said, content makes poor men rich. Discontentment makes rich men poor. The problem is that we content ourselves with whatever and then it only lasts a short time and we're right back to being discontented. And we need whatever it is, the new thing. And we still have problems. We still have problems. Problems don't seem to be solved or go away. Maybe there's another answer to our problem. Maybe there's another answer. So what is the answer? What is the secret? Well, the answer is contentment. Amen? And there's a secret to contentment that the Apostle Paul brings about, brings out in his letter to the Philippians. Paul, in, we're going to look at a couple of verses tonight in chapter 4 of Philippians. He's kind of wrapping up the letter to the Philippians. And in the entire letter, he, if you read it, it's a book about joy. It's a book about being filled with the joy of the Lord no matter what the circumstances of your life are. And it's a, it's a book where Paul has commended himself as an example of what, it, what a real genuine believer looks like. And that's, a, that's I think, an incredible thing uh, that, that, that uh, you know, maybe we want to strive for. <laughs> Amen? Do you think that you'd feel comfortable commending your life to those around you of what a real genuine believer looks like? Maybe something to think about tonight. So here at the end of chapter four, Paul tells us that he's learned something. He's learned a secret. He's learned contentment. And it has been, it's a profound thing in his life. The secret of contentment is one that every Christian should know, and this will greatly impact your life and your relationship with God in so many different ways. So how can I be content in my life? The Apostle Paul gives us a couple principles on how we can be content. 
The first point tonight is to be thankful. You want to be content? You need to be thankful. You need to be a thankful person. So as we're going towards Thanksgiving uh, this week, let's take a look at this. Philippians chapter 4. Let's read it in verse 10. He says this, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. The first step in being content and living a contented life in Christ is being thankful. Being thankful. The more thankful that you are in your life, the more you are going to be, in that sense, kind of inoculated a little bit from a life of discontent. Because if you're, if you're thankful for what you do have, it's a little bit of a distraction from being focused on what you don't have. If you're having an attitude of thankfulness, if you have a, a let me say it, an attitude of gratitude, right, then it really is a profound difference in your life. Christians really should be the most thankful people on earth. Amen? You believe that? I mean, if anybody should be thankful, we should be thankful. Why? Because we have been forgiven an, an enormous debt that, that we were in that we could have never been paid and there was no government subsidy that was going to be able to be brought through Congress to bring us out of this debt. It was the debt of sin. And that debt was so huge and the, the grace given so amazing to deal with that debt, to wipe it away, that we need to be, in, for the rest of our lives, standing in awe and amazement and having gratitude in our hearts on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, giving thanks to the Lord. We've been, we've been totally forgiven. Amen? Amen? And if you're going to be content, then we need to be thankful. We must have a thankful heart and a thankful attitude. Paul tells the Philippians here in verse 10 that we, re- that we read, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord when I received the support that you guys sent. You see, Paul had received some, some a care package, really, from the church of Philippi. He had received some, some support, some financial support, and I'm sure some other support as well, but most of it was probably financial support, and they had supported him. And he says, I rejoiced in the Lord when I received your report. The Philippian church had sent that financial support to Paul, and it was Epaphroditus who delivered the support. And Epaphroditus was an amazing co-worker of Paul's in, in his ministry, and, and, and had done a, a great work there in the church of Philippi as they ministered there as well. And the Philippian church was a church that supported the work of the Lord and they supported Paul. And Paul is now telling, him, telling them that he rejoiced in the Lord upon receiving their support. It seems as though the church there had lacked the opportunity to get the support to Paul. He says, it's not that you didn't care. I mean, I finally got it. I finally received what you guys gave. And man, when I received it, I rejoiced in the Lord. You could say rejoicing in the Lord after receiving that 
that support from Philippi, you could say that was, that, that's being thankful. When you rejoice in the Lord for that which you have and that which God has brought into your life, however it has come into your life, right? Because, because God has brought that into your life. And so you rejoice in the Lord. Be thankful. Amen? Amen. Give thanks to the Lord. Have, rejoice in him for what he has done. It seems as though that the, the church there had lacked the opportunity to get the support to Paul. Uh, and so the Philippians had sent the gift and it had a, a tremendous impact on Paul. Paul rejoiced in the Lord. It tells me again that Paul was thankful. Now, we don't know how much it was. We don't know exactly you know, what it was. He didn't say, you know, thank you for the $100 or you know, $50 or, you know, $1,000. You know, we don't, we don't know what it was, but whatever it was, Paul was thankful. Amen? It actually didn't matter. It didn't matter because Paul rejoiced in the Lord for having received it. Now, now rem, I'll remind you a little bit of the context of this uh, letter of the Church of Philippi. Paul's writing them this, this letter from a jail, from a, from a, a Roman prison. And um, this is part of what was called the, the, um, the prison epistles, right? You have the pastoral epistles where Paul writes to pastors and then you have uh, Paul's letters that he wrote from prison and they are called the prison epistles. And Paul is literally writing this from prison. And so can you imagine, and, and this was a Roman prison, he's not living it up in a lap, lap of luxury by any means, um, you know, there's been, you know, they've told about the, the prison there in Rome and, and it was, it was not, not good, you know, um, you know, rats in there and things. And, um, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even believe that you could fully stand up in there and you were probably chained to another person. And there was, you know, all kinds of stuff that wasn't good. And Paul is sitting there thankful, thankful. Now, what this tells me is if Paul can be writing a letter to the church of Philippi and saying, I rejoiced in the Lord when I received the gift from you, it tells me that, man, I need to double down. <laughs> I need to double down on being thankful, right? Because, man, um, we're blessed, amen? We're blessed. Paul had learned an important lesson that we all need to learn. The first step toward being content is thankfulness. Why? Why is the first step in being content thankfulness? Because thankfulness keeps your focus on God. He got some material stuff from the church at Philippi. And what did he do? He rejoiced in the Lord. He rejoiced in the Lord. And so giving thanks keeps your focus where it needs to be. Amen? Giving thanks keeps your focus where it needs to be. We know that everything we have, you need to know this, everything that you have in your life has come from God. Right? I mean, he owns, the, he, owns it, he owns it all. The psalmist put it this way, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What's that? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof which means he owns the land and under the land, way down deep, and then above the land, up in the sky, and the whole thing, 
right? It's all his. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we know that everything that comes into our life is from the Lord Jesus. James put it this way. I'll throw the verse up on the screen. James chapter one, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of turning. So when you have those good things, when those good things have come into your life, where does that come from? It's come from God. And we need to remember that everything we have is from God. And it may be delivered by someone else, maybe coming through a particular channel, okay? But we remember that the source is God. And if we remember the source that every good thing that's coming into our life, if we remember the source is God, then we immediately are, are gonna be prone to rejoice in the Lord when we receive those things, right? And then that's gonna in turn keep our focus on him. It's kind of like, you know, we get into that program. We get into that routine. Thank, thankfulness keeps our focus on God and thankfulness keeps our focus off of what we don't have. Amen? Amen. Focus, it keeps our focus off of what we don't have. Thankfulness keeps us from a coveting spirit. A thankful heart is not a coveting heart. A thankful heart a thankful spirit is not a coveting spirit. And so we need to have a thankful heart because it will keep us from that coveting spirit. And we need to count our blessings, amen? Being thankful is kind of going through and being thankful for the things that you have, the things that God has blessed you with. And, you know, I like to, when I give thanks to the Lord, I, I like to start with all the non material things, <laughs> you know? I mean, I want to thank him for all the stuff that really matters in life, right? I want to thank him for my, my life in Christ. I want to thank him for salvation. I want to thank him for my wife. I want to thank him for my family and my boys. And, and I want to thank him for those things because, man, that, that, that's all we're taking out of here anyways. So, I mean, we're not, you know, there, the, you never saw a, a, a hearse with a U-Haul trailer on the back of it, right? Because you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. But then, you know, when you get done thanking him for all that stuff, then thank him for the material blessing too. Because one of the things that did Israel in time and time again was the blessing. In their blessing, they forgot about God. They turned their hearts away from God. And so don't let blessing, don't let good, the good that God has done in your life, don't let that be something that takes you away from the Lord. Yeah. Keep that thankful heart and that's gonna keep your focus on him. It's gonna keep your focus on off of what you don't have and having a covetous spirit. So because that's an enemy to thankfulness. Coveting, coveting. Uh, you get into the 10th commandment, right? You have the 10 commandments and the 10th no, the one is thou shalt not covet, right? And what is this about? It's about God doesn't want us 
looking around and, 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 and having this kind of not good desire for the things that other people have. And, and comparing, well, they have that, therefore I need that, I want that, I, I desire that. I mean, there are good desires. I'm not putting down every desire. that, Like, you know, hey, you know, I, 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 I need a good car. Hey, amen, praise the Lord. You need good, reliable transportation, okay? But, uh, you know, you can take that too far and it becomes covetousness. It becomes coveting. The 10th commandment is a general safeguard against many other sins, particularly when you look at the other commandments. You know, you look at some of the other commandments. Do not steal, mm-hmm. right? Do not commit adultery. Do not bear false witness. I don't know why you're bearing false witness, but might be somewhere where you've gotten yourself into trouble with some of this other stuff, maybe even coveting. You were coveting, so you stole, so you had to bear false witness. You're just racking them up, right? You see? But if, but if you'll just really th- be a thankful person for what God has brought into your life, um, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, Jesus actually is the one who, in the Sermon on the Mount, is the one where he went through and he showed us the inward focus of the commandments, right? Right. That there's first something that happens when we violate the commandment before it ever plays out in the physical, it begins on the inside, Mm -hmm. begins on the inside. And if we've got a safeguard, if we've got a, if we've got a thankful heart, if, and when I'm saying a thankful heart, people, I'm not saying just like, kind of like, oh, said a couple thanks. I'm talking about taking on a thankful mentality, a thankful heart, a thankful attitude. I'm talking about being, letting that just be something that saturates who you are and who you, who you, you, you what you're about. Because it will safeguard you from so many things because all the sin that pops up in our life pops up it's, the, it's what flows out of a man that defiles the man, right? Remember when Jesus was questioned, why don't your disciples, you know, why don't they wash their hands and why don't they do this and why don't... He says, look, it's what comes out of a man from the inside that corrupts, that defiles a man. So Jesus was, was talking about something very specific there. I was having a conversation this week with a friend and um, he, he had a, actually a, a, a question about a particular passage of scripture. And so, you know, I've been preaching long enough that I've, I've, I've preached through a lot of the Bible. So I have like kind of my own notes on like all this stuff. And I went back to my notes on that passage. And one of the pa- places in that, it was in uh, Peter, Second Peter, and it was dealing with the false teachers and, and there's a line in there where Peter talk, is talking about these guys and it says, and they have eyes of adultery. And you say, well, what's the eye of adultery? What is it to have the eye of adultery? It's to have just your mind so corrupted that your eye is literally, when you see things, it's like you have, a, you have eyes for like adultery. Like, oh, who, who, look at her, look at her, look at her. Who can I commit adultery with? 
But she's fine. Eyes for adultery. Where does that come from? comes from inside, and that's why Jesus, in another place, he talked about having a good eye and a bad eye, right? And he wasn't talking about your eyeball. He wasn't talking about this thing. He was talking about having a, a bad eye that has been corrupted by the inside. And that's why, man, this thankfulness is such a key. I mean, it could be one of the fundamental keys of living the Christian life. In fact, it is. It just is. And we like, hey, Thanksgiving's coming up and, and um, you know, butterball turkeys and, <laughs> you know, stovetop and, 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 and um, you know, all this stuff. And I rode by US one today and they were out there burger in and they had even a sign that said, be thankful. You know, <laughs> everybody wants to get on, get in on the thankfulness and, 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 and all that's good. But we really need to, to adopt this as a fundamental principle of our lives. And I believe if the, if the, if you will do it, man, it, 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 you want to talk about something that can truly change you the way that God wants to change you. This is it, is being thankful. And when we're thankful, we're generally not coveting. Thanksgiving Day comes once a year. It's coming up soon, but every day is Thanksgiving Day. Amen? Everything, every day is Thanksgiving Day. So the first key, the first key to the, the, first, uh, key to the secret of contentment is being thankful. And then the second key is you have to learn contentment. Contentment is something that you learn. Let's go back to the text, Philippians 4, yes. verse 11. Paul said this, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Amen? Yes. So Paul is talking here, he's talking about learning contentment. He's talking about learning contentment. The second step toward contentment is learning contentment. Paul actually said in 1 Timothy 6, chapter 6, verse 6, he said this, I'll throw it up that verse on the screen. He said, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So the question is, do you want great gain in your life? Well, then you want to pursue godliness and you want to add to that contentment and you will have taken multiple huge leaps of steps spiritually in your life if you'll do that because godliness with contentment is great gain. You've got to learn godliness and you've got to learn contentment as well. Amen? You've got to learn contentment. Like, like most things, contentment is one of those things that you must learn. We're not just good at being content. In fact, we have we have this predisposition towards sin, which means we have a predisposition towards being discontent. 
So we need to learn how to be content. Paul said, I've learned to be content. The Greek word here for learn there is a word that means to increase one's knowledge, to learn by use and practice. So if you're going to learn how to be content, I think what you have to do is you, I think it comes out of being thankful and then learning how to think about your current situation. Because you can be thankful in, and, and Paul's going to get in, in, into it here in a second, he, you can be thankful when, when you know, things are going great and you can be thankful when it's kind of not so great. And so the key is being thankful and looking at that situation, whatever it is, and learning how to be content in that situation. Whether it's a, 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 a time when you're abounding, Paul uses the word abounding, or being abased, being like you know having lack in that sense. So Paul, you're gonna increase your knowledge and you're gonna learn by use and practice this idea of being content. Now Paul had been in both extremes. He learned to be content in whatever state he was. Now, some people can't be content in certain states. In my life, I've, I've had to be content in Virginia, Illinois, New York, and Florida, okay? Paul, Paul's not talking about a geographic location, right? Paul's talking about whatever state you're in, whatever place you're in, Okay? Paul says, I know how to be abased. What's that? I, I know how to just have lack. I, I, I know how to be in a tough situation. I know what it's like to have very little and still be content. And you say, anybody been there, done that? Learn how to... And some people will say, well, that's, that's the toughest. Toughest thing is to learn how to be content when you're abased. I don't know. I don't know. Because a lot of people that abound are not content. They're not content. They're still, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still have that restless spirit. I still kind of out there looking, out there groping around for that next thing. And, um, and so, you know, hey, you, we can, we can uh, have a discussion and, you know, just different ideas of which one is harder. Is it harder to be abased or to, to abound? The word for abased is a word that means to make low, to bring low, to a level, to reduce to a plane, to literally be like just flattened, <laughs> you know? You got nothing, you feel like flattened. Yeah, a lot of times you're on the ground praying for something yeah. to come, right? And you know, Jesus kind of humbled himself to that place too. You know, when, when the writer of Hebrews says he's the author and finisher of our faith, no matter what situation you find, find yourself in, the Lord has kind of purposely put himself in that place. He put himself into kind of a lowly place. You know, then he went out after he was baptized. He was led out into the desert by the Spirit to be 
to 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 be tempted and and uh, forty days of fasting, forty days and forty nights. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's why the first temptation was, "Hey, make yourself some bread. You're the son of God. Make yourself some bread." Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what, quoting from Deuteronomy, you know. So Jesus showed us how to do it. So Paul says, whatever the case, you learn. Whatever state you're in, wherever, whatever place you're in, learn. Because it could change, and then when you get into that next place, you need to learn. And hopefully, like if you go from a base to abounding, you learn how to be content when you're a base, and hope, maybe you go to abounding, and, and hopefully you learn both of them so you don't have to go back to being a base again. But who knows what's going to happen? But you learn how to be content in those situations and don't let the distraction, things distract you. Paul then says, I know how to abound. To abound in the Greek was to overflow. Paul knew how to abound. He knew how to overflow. Now, as a spiritual person, I think you got to ask yourself, I think it's easy when you're being abased. I know I'm using the word of this text. Nobody walks around going, I'm abased, I'm abased. <laughs> you're going, no, this is tough. And the, one of the easiest things when you're going through a time like that is to actually ask all those questions. Why? You know, why am I going through this? Why is it tough? Why, why, why am I, you know, why is it tough for me to pay the bills? Why is it, you know, why? And, and, and instead of looking around, we need to be thankful in that situation. What Paul's saying here, we need to rejoice in the Lord for what we have. We need to learn how to be content when we're abased. And, and, God, and God's going to be there and God's going to take care of us. And, and, and we're, 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 we're waxing philosophical. Mm -hmm. but, but let me submit this. How many people, when they're bound, say, well, why? Why am I being blessed? Why is, it, why is everything going great? <laughs> there was a time... There was a time when I thought that I had the, what's, what's called the sidem touch, right? Have you ever, you, you ever heard of the sidem touch? It's the opposite of the Midas touch. <laughs> okay, remember Midas, the Greek, uh, in the Greek mythology? Everything he touched turned to gold, right? So, the, you know, people that have the Midas touch, it's like, oh, it's everything is, you know, it's a primrose path. You know, they just do something that turns to gold. And then there's, there's people that, you know, and there was, for a while, I thought I had this, and I, and I actually was thinking about it one day. Because when you're a base, that's when you get philosophical. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, man, I have the opposite of the Midas touch. And I spelled it out backwards, and I said, the Sidem touch. I wonder if that's a thing. I Googled it. Sure enough, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a whole Wikipedia page on, 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 on having the Sidem touch. Yeah, you, you know, go ahead. Google it up, wiki it up, the side I'm touching. But my question is this, how many, when they're abounding, go, why? 
Why am I abounding? Why is God bringing in the, you know, just the, 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 you know, the boatloads, the truckloads? Why is God filling all my silos? You know? He, he blesses us to be a blessing. Amen. He blesses us to be a blessing. Paul learned how to be abased. He learned how to abound in he, whatever situation. He learned how to be content. So what's the secret to being content? And why is it a secret? You say, why is this a secret? Right? The name of this message is called The Secret. Why is it a secret? This should be something like, you know, you probably talk about this like once every month or, you know, do a message on this. We, we, we're, we probably need a message like this once a month. <laughs> you know, kind of like the Nehemiah principle. You know, it took them 56 days to build the wall. And right in the middle of it, they had to have a team meeting because things were getting tough and the enemy was coming in and Sanballat was call, calling uh, Nehemiah down off the wall into the Valley of Ono. Don't, don't, don't let anybody call you down into the Valley of Ono. <laughs> stay on the wall, stay where you need to be. But, you, but, but there's a principle in there and the Nehemiah principle that like about every 28 days you need a reminder on like the main stuff. And so we probably need a reminder on this about once a month to keep us, you know, kind of focused on this thing. But, but, but why is it a secret? In, in the second verse here in verse 12, the, the New King James reads, and that's what I read, it says, everywhere in all things I have learned. Right? You see that? Everywhere and in all things I have learned. The King James reads, everywhere and in all things I am instructed. So you have the new King James that says, everywhere in all things I have learned. The King James reads, everywhere in all things I am instructed. Right? So there's this idea of learning, being instructed in something. Anybody got the NIV here tonight? Well, if you have your app, your Bible Gateway app, you've got all the different translations. The NIV is translated, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I have learned the secret of being content in every, any and every situation. The word translated secret or instructed or learned is from an expression used in, in the pagan mystery cults to describe the initiations of new members initiations were not easy. And so Paul used the word to describe the, his initiation by his experiences into living a, Christian, a victorious Christian life. So what, what I thought about when I saw this is like, okay, when you have these, um, I don't know, these, this, these prestigious clubs, I was going to talk, I was going to say the secret societies or something. I'm sure they have like initiations, Right. You're like secret societies. Like, yeah, like skull and bones and this type of stuff. And others I won't mention. But then like, you know, you, then you have these sororities and, 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 and college, um, you, know, f- f- you know, the fraternities and the sororities. But then like, it's, like at Harvard, you have these clubs, 
right? The, the, they call them the final clubs, right? And so you had, to, you had to go through these initiations to get into these clubs, right? And, they, they, you know, they've got students standing out there and, the, you, know, you know, in the weather answering questions, you know, losing their lunch and, and, and whatever and, and just all this stuff. And who knows whatever initiations. The ancient pagan uh, mystery... Um, you say the mystery cults, they were tied to the, the, the different industries, the different trades. So when you joined a trade, you, were, you literally joined into one of these kind of pagan cults, really. And that's why, you know, this is addressed in other parts of the New Testament, okay? But Paul is using the word here in a way to say, just like you'd be initiated into one of these trade clubs, I've been initiated. I've learned. I've gone through the secret hazing process in a positive way. God's, God's taught me how to be a paste. God's taught me how to be a paste, and God's taught me how to abound. Amen. And so you see the picture there of this idea of the secret of learning how to be content. In that sense, it's kind of like a boot camp. You know, like when you join the military, like when you become a Christian, it is kind of like, you know, we used to sing a song in children's church, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Remember that? I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. (laughs) <laughs> We're going to close with that. <laughs> but, but, but becoming a Christian is kind of like a boot camp. It, you know, there's a boot camp. There's a period where you learn how to, like, you know, do this. And hopefully, you know, you learn some of these things so that you, because God will come, God will keep bringing you back around till you learn these principles. Some people... Some people feel like they keep coming around to the same things. And if you feel like that, just maybe, <laughs> just maybe it's like you're not paying attention to what God's trying to teach you. And if you'll learn, if you'll step into that and learn, and be, and learn in those situations, God's going to bring you on into, the, into some deeper things and, and some more adventurous stuff than having to learn some of this stuff. And you're still stuck in boot camp. You're still stuck in the, the initiation. Because I think when you live a life of thankfulness, I think the, the you know, anything we do in life, we can get, we, we, we you know, we, we make those things, those attitudes a part of who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, you know, it builds on to the character of who we are. It's kind of like, you know, when you're, a, a new Christian, there's a new life, there's a new house being built and God wants to furnish and equip and, and, and so he wants to do those things that are gonna be those foundational things, those, 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 those bottom level floors and those, those support walls of the house that he's making in you so that you can be that person that when it comes down to it, that's the person you are. Right? 
And so when you say, I've learned how to be abased, I've learned how to be abound, to abound, man, that's, I, I'm, I'm a thankful person. I'm a content person. I'm going forth. I know everything's from God. I know God's got my back. I know God's going to see me through. I know my source is God. Amen. And so then that's where Paul says famously, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this is the context of this verse that is a famous verse. It's perhaps one of the most famous verses in the New Testament for Christians. I can do all things through Christ. Okay, so I was wondering how this was going to make its way into one of the messages, and here it is. The lady yelling with the cat meme, okay? <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? The lady yelling and crying, and then the cat with the salad sitting there, okay? There's the, <laughs> there's the lady yelling, and it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And the cat's over there. You don't even go to church when it's raining outside. <laughs> Which I've been saying for years, by the way, you know, because especially in Florida, because rain in Florida is Florida snow. And so, anyways, let me wrap this up. <laughs> what I'm gonna say is that that's not really what this verse is talking about, right? This verse isn't like I'm Superman through Christ, right? The verse is I know how. Whatever situation that God, that, that I'm in in my life as a believer, that I can do it because God gives me the strength and power that comes from him that I can accomplish it. That's what that verse is talking about. Now, is God going to give you supernatural, uh, uh, is, is he going to give you abilities and things and is he going to give you insights? Absolutely. Is God going to you know, do, do, do special things in, in your life? Absolutely. But what this is talking about is having the strength from the Lord Jesus to be able to, in every situation, give thanks and be content and be initiated on that path of being the type of believer, the type of Christian that God is doing in your life and making in your life. Amen? Amen? So... I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that is the secret. That is the secret. 